I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play And wild and sweet the words repeat Of peace on earth, good will to men And the bells they're ringing Like a choir they're singing And in my heart I hear them on earth, good will to man. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song. Of peace on earth, good will to men. And still the bells they're ringing. And in my heart I hear them. Can anybody hear them? They're singing peace on earth, good will to men. And yet plead the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Peace on earth, there's peace on earth. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Then ringing, singing. Revolve from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, good will to men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bells they're ringing, peace on earth. Peace. Thank you, Tristan, for that. That's our series that we started last Sunday, Goodwill Toward Men. And we're in Luke 2 once again this morning. Luke 2 is the only record in Scripture of the birth of Jesus Christ. And Luke is a history that is given to us by a doctor from the first century. If you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning for the reading as we look there at verses 8 through 15. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. This morning our topic is the recipients of goodwill. And let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for goodwill toward men. We thank you that it means God's will toward men. We praise you for the gift of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would bless in our sermon this morning, help us to be attentive and to find exactly what each of us need. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you listen as Brother Barry sings, O Holy Night? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, When Christ was born, oh night, oh holy night, oh night divine, led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here came the wise man from orient sun the king of kings Lay thus in lowly manger with all our trials, born to be a friend. 
knows our need to our weakness is no stranger behold your king before him lowly bend behold your king Him lowly bend. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break. For the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever, his power and glory evermore proclaim his power and glory evermore proclaim. That's my favorite Christmas carol out of all of them. I like all the Christmas carols. I really like that one. You know, if, if somebody sang it here every Sunday during the Christmas season, that'd be just fine with me. Love it. In fact, uh, next Sunday night, we're going to get together as a church, and we're doing a couple things. We're, we're, we want to partake in the Lord's table together, uh, but then we want to sing a bunch of Christmas carols and then have some uh, some cocoa and and cookies and stuff afterward. Not during the Lord's Supper. That's, we're going to do the normal elements, right? But uh, after the service, we'll do that. So that's next Sunday night, and looking forward to that. Uh, I know many of you have big plans for the holidays, and uh, of course, keep Christ in all that you do. Well, it is certainly Christmas season again, and uh, how many of you are the ones that you like the hubbub and uh, the rat race of Christmas, and you like the Black Friday and all that stuff. Three people, all right, that's great. Uh, how many of you like to sit by the Yule log and sip some cocoa and have a quiet Christmas? Okay, that seems to be the majority right there. How many of you, you could go either way, depending on how you feel that day? Okay. I was reading the other day that every man goes through four stages in his life. Stage one, he believes in Santa Claus. Stage two, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three, he is Santa Claus. At stage four, he looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, so basically it's square it heads. 
Uh, one lady waited until the last minute to send Christmas cards, and she knew she had 49 people on her list. And so she rushed into the store, and she bought a package of 50 cards. She never even looked at the cards, really. Uh, still in a big hurry, she addressed the 49 cards and sent them out, and still never read the message inside. And on Christmas Day, things had calmed down a little bit, and she happened to come across the leftover card. And she opened it up and read the message that she had sent out to the 49 people. And here's what it said. This card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. And so, as you address your cards this year, you may want to actually read them. So many of you are having uh, work parties and family parties. And, and uh, you ever been to a party where they have the white elephant gift or, or the they have the kind of the whatever the trick gifts, and uh, sometimes they're really neat, sometimes they're really not neat. And then you've got people who give you a gift. And uh, how many of you you're really good at faking when you get a horrible gift, and you can really cover it well? Okay, how many of you it shows all over you when you get a horrible gift? <laughs> yeah, well, I've got eight responses for you. Um, to those special gifts you're given. Number eight. Well, 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 now there's a gift. <laughs> you didn't say anything wrong. You just basically said there's a gift. Uh, no, really. I didn't know that there was a Chia Pet tie. Oh, wow. It's a clip-on, too. So you can go with that one. You know, I always wanted one of those. Jog my memory. What's it called again? Number five, you know what? I'm going to find a special place for this. <laughs> Number four, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. Number three, and it's such an interesting color, too. Number two, you say that was the last one? I'm glad you snatched that baby up. That's, that's incredible. And the number one thing to say about the gifts you didn't like is, you shouldn't have. <laughs> no, really. I mean, you really shouldn't have. Well, here in Luke 2, the chapter begins with the historical timeline stamp. And from this passage and others in the Bible, we know some things about the time of the birth of Christ. We know that Augustus was the Roman Caesar. In fact, it's right there in verse number one. We know that Herod was the local king, and that's from the story of the wise men in Matthew 2. And we also know that Cyrenius was the governor of neighboring Syria at this time. You know, the angel of the Lord could have taken this wonderful message, this good news, to the Caesar. He could have taken it to a king. He could have taken it to the governor, or to a prince, or to the rich or famous. But instead, he delivered the all-important news to the lowliest of men. This morning, we want to visit those who received the good news of the Savior's birth. And, of course, we start with the shepherds in the field. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. The shepherds in the field. We find shepherds. All throughout the Bible. In fact, Adam and Eve had two sons. Uh, one was named Cain. He became a farmer. And uh, Abel 
was the other son, and he became a shepherd. And so shepherding got an early start in Scripture. And in fact, there's a lot of famous shepherds in the Bible. Abraham and his descendants were all shepherds. David, of course, was a famous shepherd. And Psalm 23 reveals to us wonderful things about the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Because of that history, it could be that we slightly romanticize the role of shepherd. And we think, boy, what a wonderful thing to be able to sit down on a rock and play the harp all day and sing worship songs. I would love to be a shepherd. Anybody in here ever been a shepherd before? You know, maybe we forget that Joseph's brothers had to live in Goshen because the Egyptians thought that they were so detestable and despicable. All right, I've got to take my iPad right here. Somebody at church is messing with me. I forgot to turn my Wi-Fi off. So we've got to fix that. Put me in airplane mode so that nobody can mess with me here. All right, we're back. So Joseph's brothers, they remember they moved to Egypt. Some of you didn't know that. I just got a call, right? Did you hear it? You heard it. On my iPad, right during church. I'm looking. I'm going to find who it was in just a minute. <laughs> person laughing the loudest right now is probably who it was. So Joseph's brothers, they come down into Egypt, and the Egyptians said, if you're shepherds, you can't live by us. Shepherds are despicable and disgusting. You go live in the land of Goshen. And so his brothers, that's how they were treated. David, we glamorize him as a shepherd, but he was the forgotten brother who cared for the sheep in the wilderness. And when dad had a dinner party, he didn't invite him to come. And so David was kind of an outcast shepherd. The job of shepherd is not nearly as glamorous as we may see it in our minds. After all, if you wanted a job that paid bare-bottom wages, exposed you to regular hardships like lions and bears, and provided you with no recognition for your accomplishments, then the role of shepherd was for you. It's pretty evident from both biblical and historical records that there wasn't a line down at the temp agency for people signing up to be shepherds. Few people made it a career on purpose. Shepherds were the lowest of the low, especially the shepherds who were on the night shift. And if you were a day shift shepherd, that was okay. You still got to go home and bathe and sleep. But if you were a night shift shepherd, you were way down low. And it was to this group, the lowly night shift shepherds, that the angel of the Lord revealed this good news. Look at the pronouns in Luke chapter 2, and I circled some of my Bible just because it stood out to me in verses 9 through 12. Look what it says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, but right now it's just to you. 
you guys are the first ones to hear it. This is to you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You get the sign. Ye shall find the babe. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This was a personalized message to the shepherds. It was given directly to them. And now we all know it. And we probably even could quote those verses. And yet, if you look at those verses and look at the words inside those verses, the shepherds were special recipients of God's message. It's amazing how Scripture lays that out. And so the shepherds in the field. But then there was another group that we want to see today who were recipients of good news, and those were the stargazers in the Far East. Second part of our message, the stargazers in the Far East. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Paul said to the Romans, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. It's in Romans 1.20. The whole creation speaks of the creator himself. And that's natural. It's natural that creation speaks of a creator right? Just like a watch speaks of a watchmaker. A cake speaks of a baker. Yeah, cookies speak of somebody making cookies. We were talking last night, we had our life group Christmas party, and uh, I believe that our daughter Sophie ate more cookies than anyone because she could sneak through where everybody was at and walk right up to the table and grab them and no one even saw and you would turn around and her face would be all chocolate. Now, what do you have? And I don't know how someone who can't count to three can say, chocolate cookie. <laughs> That's what she had, chocolate cookie. Why? Because somebody made it. There's evidence that there was a creator. It was not an accident. And the creator God made everything. This is the same God who on the fourth day, the Bible says, made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night. Oh, and that verse says, he made the stars also. It's one of my favorite phrases. He made the stars also, like they were an afterthought. You know, scientists have discovered and they know that our earth revolves around the sun. But you know, God did not make the earth for the sun. God made the sun for the earth. God made the moon for the earth, and God made the stars for the people of the earth, and everything God made was for us. It was for our benefit, and yet for His glory. And when we look at scientists, they tell us, well, earth is just a privileged planet that somehow in the mutation process made it through the 28 hoops that are physically impossible in any other planet. Just happened to make it through. Yet the Bible has a different take. God made the greater light. God made the lesser light 
Oh, and he made the stars also. And those stars, those stars not only shine toward his glory, but they reveal him to the human race. The ancients saw pictures in the stars. The book of Job, which is chronologically the first book penned in Scripture, speaks of constellations that they knew about 5,000 years ago, like Arcturus or Ursa Major, Orion and Pleiades, the creation itself giving the good news. You know, only about 350 years ago, Johannes Kepler said, it is possible that there may be as many as one million stars. It's 350 years ago. Now, I don't know if you've ever stood out and counted them. It probably would take a while to count to a million. But now scientists believe that there are not just millions of stars, and not just billions of stars, there are hundreds of billions of stars in each galaxy, and there are hundreds of billions of galaxies. You do the math. That's incredible. And God knoweth them all by name. And so if he sees when a sparrow falls, and he knows the trillions of stars by name, he knows you. He knows the very number of hairs on your head or the very numbers off your head in some cases. God knows exactly what the deepest parts of your heart would be. He knows you. And these stars are an amazing thing. There were some men in the east about 2,015 years ago who looked at the stars and recognized something strange, and they followed a star from the east to go and worship the king of the Jews. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 2. We won't go in depth into it, but I want to see the stargazers in the far east and see their role as recipients of a general revelation of creation. Sometimes we think, well, there are tribes who have never heard of Jesus Christ. Will they be responsible for eternal life and eternal death decisions? The Bible says they will. Because the very heavens tell us who God is. They can't be saved other than through Jesus Christ. But the revelation of who God is is even in the stars. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Do you know later that's the same inscription that Pontius Pilate would place above the cross of Jesus, king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now, in Greek, that's Christos, but in Hebrew, that's Masiach, which means the anointed one, the Messiah. So where would Messiah be born? And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. That's from Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. For thus it is written by the prophet. 
And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So it appeared at a certain time, and it extended into a certain time. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we sang about these guys this morning. We don't know if there were three kings, but we do know there were three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they, they departed into their own country another way. And so the word came to the shepherds. The angels spoke words to the shepherds. But the creation spoke wisdom to the magi. And we see that they were also recipients of goodwill toward men. But then we move on and we see the servants who were faithful. The servants who were faithful. Back in Luke chapter 2, in the Jewish custom... A child would be officially named on the eighth day. Also on the eighth day, if the child were a male, the child would be circumcised. The offering would be brought to the temple for the child. Uh, depending on how much income the family had, they had to bring a certain thing. And yeah, that's where we get the two turtle doves from in the famous song because that's what poor people were supposed to bring. And so they came to the temple for this ceremony of naming the baby Jesus. And on this day of dedication, we find the most interesting thing there in the temple in Luke 2. There were two servants of the Lord that saw him through the eyes of both faith and faithfulness. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Anyone that sees Jesus as the Messiah does it through faith. Yes, it has been incredibly revealed. Yes, the gospel is good news that makes sense. But in the end, faith is required. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And so Luke 2 verse 25, we see this first one. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, Messiah. And he came by the Spirit in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up into his arms and blessed God. It said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. 
For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I want you to notice verse 33. And Joseph and his mother. That's an important verse. Some versions have changed that to say, and his father and his mother, but the Bible calls him Joseph because he was not the father of Jesus. He was the husband of Mary. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Imagine being Joseph and Mary as they come into the temple to name the baby. And an elderly gentleman walks up and takes him out of their arms and begins to bless him in the name of God and say, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Look at verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, he gives a prophecy, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Later, Mary would stand on a hill called Golgotha and watch as this baby who had grown into an adult man, was crucified on a cross for her sins. See, Mary was a great lady, and the Bible says that she was blessed of God, but she's not God, and she's not part of the Godhead. She needed Jesus just as much as anyone else. That's why when Simeon blessed him, she marveled at what he said, because even though she hoped that he'd be great, and she knew there had been prophecies, and the angel had come, She wasn't quite sure he was going to be yet. But the eyes of faith through this faithful man revealed goodwill toward men. But then we look down at verse 36 and there's another one. Not only Simeon who had been waiting for what we read as the consolation of Israel, but then there's Anna. Verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. That means she got married uh, at a young age, most likely, and she was married for seven years and then her husband died. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. So after her husband died, she'd been a widow for 88 years. Okay, so do the math on that. We're over 100. She was a centenarian, which departed not from the temple. She just hung out there, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And I want you to notice what happened. She walked in the room, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She saw Messiah through the eyes of faith. She wouldn't even leave the temple because her faith was so great the Messiah was coming. She immediately recognized when she saw the Christ child. So God reveals his good news in so many ways. To the shepherd, go see for yourselves a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. To the wise men, follow the star to find the king. To the faithful servants, this is the one you've been waiting for. 
But the good news extends even further. It goes, last of all, to the sinners who are fallen. The sinners who are fallen. Here's something extraordinary. The shepherds realized that the goodwill toward men wasn't just to them. The angel said it was to all people. I want you to notice again in verse 15. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them, Concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, the shepherds did their best to quickly make known the same to all people. They saw that it was real. The Savior is here. And he had come to take away the sins of the whole world. Let's close today over in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, it's almost to the back of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. First John 2 starts this way. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, the gift of Jesus Christ, not for us only. The gift of Jesus Christ is still for the sins of the whole world, because all sinners need a Savior. One of my favorite definitions that I've ever heard, I don't even know who said it, but years and years ago, I heard it in a sermon, and a preacher said, you know what a witness is? A witness is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's what a witness is. And yet as Christians, we sometimes become this elitist bunch that think, boy, we've got, we've got Jesus. We know the secret handshake. We know how to sing the Christmas carols exactly perfectly right. You know, there's a world of people just like us who need salvation. There's a world around us of sinners who need the grace of God. And the shepherds, they just didn't know any better than to go tell everybody what they had heard and what they had seen. And that's what God has asked us to do. You know, John the Apostle said in 1 John, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may know him. That's our job. Just to declare who Jesus is to the world around us. In 1988, 
young lady named Anissa Ayala was 16 years old, and she was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. The doctors said that if she didn't receive a bone marrow transplant after her chemotherapy and radiation treatment, she would die. And so they called her family in, and her father was tested, and his bone marrow didn't match. And her mother was tested, and her bone marrow didn't match. And her brother's bone marrow was tested, and his bone marrow didn't match either. They couldn't find a donor anywhere that matched her bone marrow. Her parents, who were both in their early 40s, conceived another child and hoped and prayed that this baby's bone marrow would be compatible with Anissa's. And to their great delight, it was determined that this new baby was a compatible donor. And when Marissa Ayala was 14 months old, they took her in, and she didn't even know she was 14 months old, and they took some of her bone marrow and they gave it to her sister Anissa. And Anissa made a full recovery from the leukemia. And both sisters lead healthy lives today. In a very real sense, Marissa saved her sister's life. Here's what she said. Without me being a perfect match for my sister, she wouldn't be here. You know, some people don't realize that Jesus is the only perfect match to save you. And so they try everything else. They search the world for the perfect match. Match Match.com or whatever.com. They search everywhere. They search religions. And they light candles and they crawl on their knees and they go to certain mosques and they go to certain temples and they do certain rituals searching for the match. Match already came. Jesus was born into this world for the express purpose of saving us. He's the one and only Savior that can save all those who put their trust in Him. Christmas marks the day we celebrate His birth because without Him we would not have salvation. As fallen beings, fallen beings, we're dead in trespasses and sins. There's no human being that can undo that problem. That's why Jesus was born to die, to die on a wooden cross, and to rise from the tomb three days later. And I want you to know this morning, no matter how you walked into this room, you are a recipient of goodwill toward men, just like the shepherds, just like the wise men, just like Simeon and Anna that we read about this morning. But receiving that goodwill requires faith. Faith in the fact that Jesus came to this earth to pay for your sins and to bring you into a peace relationship with God. So I hope you won't miss the real message of goodwill toward men this morning. The message is to you. It's to all of us. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow this morning, I don't know if you've ever received Jesus as your Savior. 
I think sometimes people question that in their own minds, their own hearts. Some people say, well, I won't know if I can be a Christian until I die. Some people say, well, I hope I'm a Christian. I hope I have Jesus in my life. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5 that she may know that she have eternal life. God says it is possible for us to know that we have eternal life. And if you're here this morning and you don't know for certain that you have Jesus Christ in your life, that you have eternal life, I hope and pray that you would come and take my hand during this invitation and we could have someone show you from the Word of God how you can know that today. Maybe there's somebody you're praying for. Maybe there's a family member this Christmas who needs to receive the gift of the Savior. Maybe it's a co-worker, a neighbor, someone that God's laid on your heart from one of your social uh, network sites. I don't know what it would be that God would lay on your heart, but we want to give you that opportunity this morning. Father, would you work now in lives today because of Jesus Christ? Because unto us a child is born. We ask that you would work in a special way now, in a mighty way, especially in those who do not know you as Savior and who do not know that they have eternal life. Guide us now, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? As you stand, the altar's open, the invitation's open, as Brother Dave plays. Would you come right now? All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give Worldly pleasures all forsaken Take me Jesus, take me now I surrender all I surrender all all to Jesus I surrender I surrender all To Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. In His love and tender mercy, Jesus take me, let me live. Thank you so much. God bless. You may be seated. I'd like to share some decisions with you this morning. If I could have Jack and Liz come right up here with me. Uh, Jack and Liz Calhoun. Yeah, these dear folks uh, have come in and this week and expressed that they'd like to join in membership 
the Centennial Baptist Church, and uh, they are joined by statement that they have both been saved and baptized by immersion with biblical baptism, and so we're in favor of that, and all who would like to see that happen, would you say amen this morning? And then also we have another decision, Brent and Sylvia Stonebreaker coming on this side, and Brent and Sylvia are coming today to join the church as well, uh, also by statement of faith that they've been saved and baptized. In fact, they were baptized in the Jordan River. Not that it made it any more special biblically, but that's kind of neat, right? And uh, so we want to pray for both these couples. If you're in favor of Brent and Sylvia joining, would you say amen? Amen. We're going to pray for them both together. Father, we thank you for the Stonebreakers and the Calhouns, and we thank you for your purpose for their lives. We thank you for our local assembly here at Centennial Baptist Church and the way that you allow people to join with us and to have the same vision and the same purpose that agrees with your word. We thank you that these folks have said we, we want to be involved, committed. We really want to be part of this body. And so we pray that you would help them to find the exact ways that they could be a blessing to others. At the same time, we pray that you would help all of us to find ways that we can bless them, that we can befriend them, and that we can grow in faith together and strive together for the faith of the gospel. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask, ask the Stonebreakers Life Group leaders, the Griggs, to take these folks out. We want to greet them here this morning after we close in prayer. And thank you so much. You head on out with those folks, okay? Uh, tonight at 4.45, we have choir practice. Our evening service is at 5.30. And then all the events of the week. Uh, don't forget in Awana this week, it's Happy Birthday Jesus Night. And so we need those cupcakes. And then also, uh, coming up Friday is our, our staff Christmas party. Got a lot of things going on this week. I hope you'll come for Christmas Sunday next Sunday and bring somebody with you. And let's fill this place up to the glory of God as we continue in our series and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. All right, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed with a closing word. And then do this for me. Look around you and find somebody that you've never met by name before. You've seen their face, you've shaken their hand, but find out their name and see if you can remember one name for a whole week. That's a big challenge, right? Work on it, though. Try one. Try one, all right? I'm going to ask Brother Seyfried to dismiss us in prayer.